this is another one of those gospels that's very interesting because it tells you we don't always get it, okay? And they were terrified, and now all at once they're saying, isn't this unreal? I'm sure Jesus had to be thinking, come on now, remember, you've seen all these miracles happening. You know that I have the authority to do this. And yet they're questioning, who is this that even the seas and the winds obey him? I think this is one of those lessons that tells us, you know, life is not supposed to always be fun and easy. There are difficult times in life. And yet we're called to get on with this journey of life that leads us to life eternal. As I was thinking about that before Mass, a number of years ago, they shut down the monastery in Lafayette. It was a, a, a monastery of the Precious Blood Sisters, and they were a cloister, so very few people got to see them on a, a daily basis. But one of them, Sister Joan and I were good friends, and I, and I did some spiritual direction with her, and so I got to go in and see her periodically. And as they were closing down, they had a little reception, and all of the sisters came over to St. Lawrence Church in Lafayette where they had a social hall and they had to say goodbye to the sisters. And as they were all leaving, I said to her, well, I don't know when I'll see you next. And she said, I'm going to look for you in the resurrection. That's faith, okay? Now, here's the irony. About four years later, maybe five years later, I had to go to Boston for the Catholic Educational Association meeting and word got out that I was going to Boston, and one of the nuns called and said, would it be possible at all if you could come to our monastery because we're just about a half an hour to an hour north of Boston. So I asked the bishop, and the bishop said, certainly, no problem. So I went to Boston to see her, or to see all of the sisters that were there, and when I got there, she came out and she hugged me and she said, I didn't have to wait. I didn't have to wait for the resurrection. That's what we're supposed to be all about. You know, sometimes in life we sweat the small stuff too much. And it's not about the small stuff. It's about the big stuff. Let me give you an example. I was pastoring the cathedral in Lafayette, and I was pastoring St. Lawrence, and at a parish council meeting, somebody raised the, why does St. Lawrence get to ring bells during the consecration and the cathedral doesn't? And I said, I don't know. You weren't ringing them when I got here. You know, and they said, what? I said, you weren't ringing them when I got here. How was I to know you rang bells? Do you have bells? Well, we don't know. I said, well, you, you take a survey of the parish and let me know. And a couple months later, they came back and they said, like 90% of the people want the bells. I said, great. Somebody give me $450 and we'll buy the bells. And a man said, I'll pay for them, Father. I said, I want the check first, okay? Um, so we bought the bells, and they were ringing the bells, and I thought everybody would be happy. And I went to coffee and donuts one Sunday morning, and there was an argument breaking out around one of the tables. And the argument literally was this. Do you ring the bells, ring, or do you ring them, ring, 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 or do you ring them, ring, 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 and I'm sitting here, and I said, you guys are crazy, absolutely insane. And I said, the bells have nothing to do with anything except to remind us that the consecration's taking place. And you have to remember that we rang the bells when it was in Latin. 
and nobody knew what was going on, and so you waited for them to ring the bells because you know that the elevation was going to take place. That's why they rang it. It had a practical purpose. I said, you're telling me that it has everything to do with the consecration. No, bread and wine become the body and blood of Jesus Christ, whether you ring the bells or you don't ring the bells. So be happy with whoever's ringing it and give them a, give them a little slack, okay? People worry about the darndest things when we should be worrying about living our lives in such a way that we're bringing Jesus Christ to the mix. And that's not always easy. Um, a number of years ago, I got to go to Germany for a month and the Franciscan sisters, the Franciscan Alliance sisters, um, I've been friends with theirs for a number of years, and the Mother General from Germany called and said, we heard you're coming to Germany. We would love for you to come and stay a week with us. I said, that'd be great. So I went, and we had an absolutely wonderful, wonderful time. And at the end of it, it was the last night I was going to be there, they brought this older nun up and they had a translator because she wanted to talk to me about World War II and her experiences of World War II because at the end of the war, you know, we were just, was it strafe, strafe bombing or whatever that bombing is, we just bomb everything. And they had a number of nuns were killed and they were concerned about it, you know, they were in, but finally the war was over. And she told me this story that at the end of the war, there was knocking the day after they signed the the, the surrender, there was knocking on the convent door, and one of the young nuns said, it's American soldiers. So three of the sisters went down to open the door, and she said, we didn't know if they were going to kill us. We had no idea what was going to happen. Horrible things were being told. And they opened the doors, and she said, as soon as the doors opened, these young soldiers bowed their heads and said, we bring greetings of joy from Lafayette, Indiana. Now you have to understand that 500 nuns over a 40-year period immigrated to the United States from Germany into, into Lafayette, Indiana, because that's where their mother house was in Indiana when the nuns first came. 500 nuns. That meant that during the war, some of the nuns had sisters who were blood sisters or were cousins or were friends from grade school in Germany, and we're fighting this war, and it was finally over. And I tell you that because in life, amidst the trials and tribulations, we're supposed to be bringing the joy of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to tell people that no matter what happens here, it truly doesn't matter if you know Jesus Christ and you know where you're going. Father Boniface Hardin used to say, he was, a, I don't know if you know Father Boniface Hardin, he was an African-American Catholic priest who was actually a monk from St. Minard who started Martin University in downtown Indianapolis. They have about 800 students. And Boniface used to say, in life we're called to share what we have and what we don't have. And that what we don't have is just as important as what we have. That's what life is all about. That's what this gospel is all about. He's saying, don't be terrified. Don't be afraid. The worst thing that can happen is you're going to wake up in heaven, and that ain't so bad. That's the challenge of this gospel. Gospel tells us God has our back. That doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. It doesn't mean you're always going to get your way, 
but it does mean that you have life eternal. So let us today give mind, uh, be mindful of the fact that the first 30 popes of the church were martyred, and most of them joyfully died for Christ. That's the challenge of the gospel, not to be afraid of the world, but to live for Jesus Christ.